Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. So today, we're going to get on with our series, um, our Supernatural Favor series that we've been in. This is the third week. And today we're going to talk about growing in God's favor. Really straightforward. Um, What does that mean? What does that look like? What does it mean to grow in God's favor? So far, we've covered what supernatural favor is in the very first week. Uh, Last week, we covered um, what we have God's favor in our lives for. And we talked about what that means and how does that work. And so this week, we're going to begin to look at the life of a young guy named Samuel. And we're going to talk about how God proved this out in his life and how um, what we're going to talk about is demonstrated scripturally. I believe in God's amazing grace. I believe that it's better than you or I can comprehend. Uh, I was talking to a a friend of mine who is just an amazing man of God, um, and he is very much so a believer in grace, Um, probably even more so than if we're really honest. I, I, I sometimes struggle to get there as far as he is down the road with it. Having said that, he and I were having a discussion, and I said, Glenn, I don't understand this. You know, we talk about grace, but I mean, like, what? Where's the proof of that? He goes, the problem is most people think that when you talk about grace and we talk about it in that really big, grandiose way that it is, we forget the fact that grace has teeth. That there's a side of that that has to have some action that goes with it. Grace absolutely does. We want to talk about God's favor. Is God's favor free to everyone? Yes. Does that mean that everyone's going to walk in the unmerited favor of God in explosive ways? No. And the reason we've got to differentiate that, is it available to everybody? Yes. But not everybody's going to grab hold of it and run with it because we're sometimes unwilling to make the sacrifice necessary to have that in our lives. It gets proven out by the things that we say yes and we say no to. Really matters in this whole scheme of things. And so we're going to look at Samuel's life and see how he grew in God's favor and grew in the favor of the Lord and with men. And we're going to talk about it from that perspective. So I'm going to give you the backstory. If you want to put, uh, flip over to, to the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 2, stick a, uh, that's where we're going to be, but stick a marker over in John chapter 10. Um, we're going to flip to there a little bit later, okay? Uh, so in Samuel's life, Samuel's a miracle child. I mean, just an absolute miracle child. I, I'm grateful that he's a miracle child. We wouldn't have this story. We wouldn't have this, uh, the hope to cling to for those who are struggling, uh, who've struggled to have kids. It's a miracle, an absolute miracle. His mom prayed. She wept bitter tears, the Bible says, uh, before he was born uh, until being able to, be, to, to receive and be given this child. She was literally taunted, made fun of because she was unable to have children. And in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, you can read that exchange that happens there uh, where she was taunted and made fun of because she was barren. Now, this was in a time period um, that honestly is just crazy. This was a time period when men took more than one wife at a time. Absolutely nuts, right? I'm in agreement. Crazy. In my limited Spanish, Señora está muy loco en la cabeza. Crazy in the head to do that, right? I mean, what in the world is he thinking? I have one wife and, I, yeah, mm-hmm. And she has one husband and, mm-hmm, yeah. Right? Remember, Rachel, she's home still uh, struggling with vertigo today. I mean, literally, um, like, tried to get out of bed, and I caught her as she about fell over into the door. So keep her in your prayers. It's no fun to deal with. Um, But, yeah, it's it's a pretty serious struggle that she's facing today. 
So, so here, here Hannah, Samuel's mom is, and she's being taunted, made fun of because she can't have kids. Nothing of her own doing, she just is unable to. Uh, and, and literally the, the, the story goes that she goes into the temple when it was time to go and offer sacrifices. She goes into the temple to pray, and she is overwhelmed, and she is praying, and she is struggling through it, and she is weeping bitter tears and praying passionate prayers that only come out as a whisper, so her mouth is moving, and she's crying. And Eli, um, the high priest, you know, he, he comes over and says, you know what, you're drunk, you must be drunk because you are literally um, in this state. And she says, no, 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 no. He rebukes her, says, don't come into the church house drunk. That's literally uh, essentially what he said. Hey, you know what? Don't come to the church house drunk. Go away. Put your wine away and leave it alone. And she says, sir, I'm not drunk as you suppose, but I'm overwhelmed with grief and sorrow because I'm unable to have kids and I'm praying that the Lord will hear me. And he tells her, go in peace and may God hear you. Go in peace and may God hear you. That's it. No, thus saith the Lord. No, 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 not, didn't happen. None of that. Um, hey, you know what? I've heard from the Lord today, and I really think if we go over and find it in script, no, just go in peace and may, may God hear you. And that was enough. That was enough. That changed things. That alone. And the Bible says that immediately she wasn't sad anymore, and she went and she rejoined her family, her countenance changed, and she began to eat, even the sacrificial meal, she began to eat what everyone else was eating, the portion that was given her that she had never eaten before, she began to take that and eat and rejoice in the fact that something changed in her that day, that that word from God can change everything in our life if she would receive it, if she would resonate on it and allow that to change the way she behaved moving forward. One word from God can change everything, amen? Even a word just as simple as go in peace and may God hear you. Not God has heard you, may God hear you. Not, not God heard your prayer, may he hear you, was more than enough. Now, I'm not sure, and I'm really not sure that we can have God speak something into our life, continue to act just like we've been acting. So yes, God, I've heard you. I'm going to continue on in my anxiety, in my worry, in my doubt, in my fears. I'm going to continue in that and still expect to see a change as I move forward. That's not what she did. Well, see, when God drops that word in your heart just like he did for Hannah, you've got to take that word, go out, and begin to act like you already have the baby in your arms. Just like everything has changed, that the promise has come, pa come to pass, and that you are already seeing it happen. Some of you struggling in your marriage, guess what? If you'll begin to treat your spouse like they're the man or the woman you want them to be and believe that God's going to do it, guess what will happen? They'll become the man or the woman you expect and dream and hope and pray that they will be. Begin to behave and treat them that way and expect God's word to come true. Why? Because he is able to do it. We can't cling in our fear and expect that to remain. She had a word from God's representative on earth, the high priest, and she went on with life like she had already had that baby in her arms because she understood something we need to understand today, that the beginning of growing in God's favor is this, receiving God's grace. Go in peace. And may God hear you. 
was her receiving the grace of God in her life at that moment. The grace of God that would change things. The grace of God that helped her deal with what is as she expectantly waited for what would be. As she waited for God's promise to come to pass. And sometimes that's hard. See, this word from God to Hannah had lasting effects on her life, on her kids, and especially on young Samuel's life. In fact, receiving this word from God, the Bible says, opened up her womb. And she didn't just have Samuel, but she had three more sons and two daughters. And they were all blessed because she grew in God's favor. See, as adults, you and I, as we grow in God's favor, as we grow with favor and with God and with men, it leaves a lasting influence on our children and their children. As we grow, it leaves a, uh, makes a difference in their life. See, Samuel, uh, uh, this is where we get kind of the, the idea of baby dedication from the passage I read and also from this story because the Bible says that she dedicated Samuel to the Lord. And literally, she brought him back to the temple once he was weaned and left him with Eli. Now, parents and grandparents, don't get any ideas. I'm not advocating that you bring your children here and drop them off and leave them. I don't think that's how Josh and Cecily want to have more kids. I have my three. My quiver is full, as the Bible would say. So Samuel gets raised by Eli from that point forward. Raised there in the temple, Hannah followed through with what she prayed, and as I was reading through this passage, I found it funny that at one point her husband says, may the Lord help you fulfill your commitment to him. In other words, I don't know that you're going to have the ability to give up your only child that you have prayed for and leave him dedicated to the Lord. You're going to want to shelter and protect him and, and do everything that's possible to keep every germ away from him, I mean every terrible thing that would come his way from him. But he prayed, and that's what happened. She was able to do it. Hannah followed through with what she said. You know, we need a few more parents and grandparents that'll do that. We need a few more parents and grandparents, and let me meddle for just a second, that will get off the 12-lane highway that the crowd and culture is absolutely following and instead follow the path of the Lord and leave a trail for your kids to follow behind you. Sometimes we wonder why we have generations of kids that don't step out in faith. It's because they're following the path that many of us, parents and grandparents, have left them. A safe and easy trail. A safe and easy path that doesn't cost us anything. Now, Samuel's story gets even more interesting from there for because, again, he's raised by Eli. And everybody would think, oh, he's raised in the preacher's home, right? Except that preacher had preacher's kids. The stereotypical bad ones. Like... W wicked, like so bad that God himself gets even with them, wicked. I mean, like, just look at your neighbor and say they were bad dudes. And you you got to say it like a bad dude. Yeah, no, you can't. They were not bad guys. No, 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 no. They were bad. They were wicked, awful, terrible, horrible people. Horrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. They, they, they cheated people, they, they treated God with contempt, and finally God says, I'm going to get even, I'm going to settle the score, because they were that kind of bad. Pa Pastor Mark, aren't you glad that that's not what the Bible says about us as preachers' kids, that God's going to get even with us? Thank the Lord for grace today, amen? But that's who he was raised with, these wicked, wicked people. Here's the thing, we're all going to learn, right? You, I'm sure Samuel's life is forever marked by the fact that he learned a lot of things not to do. Now, as the younger brother in, in, in my story, I learned a lot of things not to do from watching what my brother did. Any of you have a sibling that just did dumb stuff and you said, I'm not going to do that? Right? 
Terry, you should be waving your hand. It's your chance. I was looking your way. I wasn't looking his way. We've all done it, right? We've all had our sibling where we said, I'm not going to do it. Samuel had that experience in his life. I don't want to do what they did. Here's the thing. We're all going to learn. There's two ways to learn, two basic ways to learn. You can learn by instruction or you can learn by correction. Learn by instruction. For God's sake, learn by instruction. Don't have to bump your head into everything. Learn by instruction. And the Bible says, in spite of being raised in around these wicked, wicked people, people that he would look up to, people that he would inevitably say, I want to be like them. I want to be like Phineas. I want to be like one of, one of those guys and say, you know, I'm going I'm to act like him. This must be the way you're supposed to be. He chose not to do that. He chose instead to go a different route, so much so, in spite of the wickedness, that in 1 Samuel 2.26, it says this, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with people. Why does the Bible make a point to say he grew taller? Everybody expects that, right? Like you don't expect that Samuel is going to be a prophet of the Lord and remain two and a half feet tall. How old are you, Samuel? I'm 37 years old. Why are you two and a half feet tall? Because I only grew in favor with men and the Lord. No, he grew up, right? There's more to there than just that. And for just a minute, I want to dissect this. I want to break it down for just a minute, okay? There's three words I want to look at really quickly, and these are not the three points. These are just free, okay? Number one, growth. We all like growth. We all want things to grow in our lives, right? Now, maybe you don't want your waistline to grow. You don't want the ministry to expand like that. But we all want growth. We want our 401k to grow. We want our retirement to grow. We want our stocks to grow. We want our kids' investments to grow so that they'll have enough money to take care of us whenever we get old. We want our kids to have a 401 PGA, or at least I do, because then they'll be able to hook me up. You know what I'm saying? We want our kids to grow up physically and metaphorically. We want them to grow. Growth is a good thing. But the word grow here has several different translations that I want to highlight for you. It means to go. It's also translated to come along or to go through or to adhere. That's a little bit of a different story, right? So, so Samuel got along. He came through. He adhered to something that changed his life forever. He grew, not just physically, but he grew spiritually. If we want anything to grow, you've got to come along and you've got to adhere to the principles that got you there, right? Growth doesn't just happen. We've got to well tend the garden. The only thing that naturally grows are weeds. And they're the eyesore. They're the bane of society. They're the bane of our yards that we want plucked out. We, we have to spend a ton of time working to get them out of flower beds. It's the things that we don't want there. We have to work on it. If we're going to grow, we can't sit still. When we sit still, what co it causes atrophy. Our muscles decay and they quit doing things. Movement keeps the blood pumping. It keeps the muscles active. It keeps them strong. We've got to continue to move if we want to grow. Amen? doesn't matter what stage of life you find yourself in. You've got to move if you're going to grow. You've got to be putting your faith in action. You've got to go. You've got to get through some things and adhere to the principles that you learn along the way in order to grow. Then it says that he grew taller. Well, that's an interesting word because it's translated differently in other places. It's translated bind together. It's uh, translated to twist together or to make great. Not like Donald Trump make great. Here's the deal. We're never, ever going to reach the height of what God wants to do in us and through us if we're unwilling to allow him to bind some things together in our lives. For instance, a broken heart. Anybody ever had a broken heart? So few of you. 
Let's, let's try raising your other hand. How many of you had a broken heart? Raise your other hand. Okay, that's better. Uh, some of you tried to raise a hand that's like sitting on the back of the armrest and your shoulder's numb and it didn't, you know. Here's the deal. If you've ever had a broken heart, the Bible has a prescription. It says in, Psalm, in Isaiah 61.1 that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Bind up the brokenhearted. To bind it up. Now, binding things up, bind up the brokenhearted or heal the brokenhearted, it means that God will use that pain for his glory if we'll allow him to. I want to grow in God's favor, but I've got to be willing to allow him to stretch me and make me taller by binding some things together, making me stronger from the inside out, bringing healing and wholeness. So if we're going to talk about what it means to bind up the broken heart, it's any time we have endured an injury, it leaves behind a scar. A scar doesn't mean that we're, we're damaged, but it means that we were injured and now have been healed. A scar is proof that we could make it. A scar is proof that you went through something to have a testimony on the other side of it. A scar is proof that you have been there and done that and have the marker to hang with it. It means that you've been through something. But there's healing that happens. It's when the skin begins to bind itself together so that it produces a new flesh on top of it. That's what it does. It means to make it stronger, to make something great as it grows taller. By the way, some of us need to allow God to heal our broken heart, but we're, we're even in our retirement phase of life. See, maybe it's the broken heart of a failed dream. Maybe it's the broken heart of a failed marriage, the death of a child, the broken heart of a child who wants nothing to do with us, our family, or the Lord. The idea of having something bound up is not anything new. Today, if someone breaks a bone, what do they do? They put a cast on it, right? That cast is to give it added strength. That cast is to make it stronger. That cast is to, to support it. In the old days, they would take two sticks, slap it together after they set the bone, bind it together so that it had the support to hang in there. We need that. We still need someone else to support us in our infirmity. We still need someone else to stake themselves by us to support us when we are weak. So that's growing taller. But then it says he grew in favor. He grew taller and he grew in favor with the Lord and with men. What is favor? Well, in this scenario, to grow taller in favor, it's pretty straightforward, but it's translated good to make desirable, usable, kind, or morally good. It's the overflow of a life lived in relationship with Jesus. It's the overflow. He is the one who makes us good and makes us kind and makes us usable and makes us morally stable for others so that he gets the credit for it. Man, my life was morally bankrupt as a teenager. I did and, and said things that I wish I could take back, but I couldn't. God did it. And isn't that the story of his amazing grace in our life today? Isn't this what it describes the whole process of God redeeming us and saving us? He saves us from our lost, dirty, bound up, sinful state, and he plants us in his grace so that we can grow in good soil he binds up our brokenness with his completeness, and he gives us his favor so that we can become usable and good and morally stable for others. That's what he does. When we grow in favor with the Lord, it starts by receiving his grace. So now that we've covered the beauty of, of, of what God's grace does in our lives as we grow in his favor, let's answer that question that I always come back to. How? How do, how do we do that? How do we grow in that? How do, how does that happen? I, I am a nuts and bolts kind of guy. I, I don't like going to, you know, you can, there's conferences everywhere. It's kind of the new thing to have for churches, I guess. 
Here's, we're going to have a conference and tell you how to do thus and so. If you're not going to tell me how you did it, I don't care to go. I want to know what you did so I can understand how you got there to see if it's any principles that we could apply. I'm interested in the how. Kind of like, you know, if something goes wrong on your vehicle, what do you do? You get on YouTube and say, how do I change that? And somebody shows you a video of how to do it. And then when you can't figure that out, we all call Jerry. I'm sorry. I, I do. Hey, Jerry, how do I fix that? I'll come show you how. Yay! Right? That's, we all have that person in our life. How'd you do that? Well, here, here's your seven steps to get there. We like that. We need to know the how. I'm going to give you three steps. How to grow in God's favor. Three simple, basic, it seems really simple and basic, but three steps that will get us there. Number one, we've got to listen. Wives, this is a good time and it's okay. Husbands won't give you an elbows, but go ahead and look at your husband and say, listen. Only a few of you took a chance. Okay. First Samuel chapter 3. Stay here, we're going to read a lot of this, this together. But verses 1 through 5 say this. It says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now remember, I told you that he was going to be raised by Eli in the temple, right? That he would be raised there. He'd been dedicated to the Lord. So he's being raised in the temple, and it says, He served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, he replied. What is it? He got up, ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. And so he did. If we're going to grow in favor, we've got to learn to listen. You'll never hear a call you're not listening for. We're not listening, we'll never hear it. Have you ever had your kids just, I mean, in the middle of the night, that blood-curdling scream, you know, like wake you up, like frantic? Maybe it wasn't a kid, maybe it was something else. I, I can remember one time when we still lived in Moore, <clears throat> Rachel and I were in bed, this was before we had kids, all of a sudden, we heard this loud, <laughs> some of you who are asleep or awake now, thank the Lord. I had the same experience some of you just had. All of a sudden, you hear that loud clap. I mean, just thunderous, right? You're like, oh my goodness, what was that? And so, you know, being the, the good, you know, strong, faithful man that I, I get up and I grab a baseball bat because I didn't have a gun at the time. And I, I grab what I could find and I start making my way. I literally have this, and I'm making my way through the house. And like you get, you know, you, you, we all do this. Don't be honest. Don't put on your super macho face. We all go in there and we get to the bathroom. And like the bathroom is the one place that scares us more than anything, if we're honest, because you don't know what's hiding behind the shower curtain. And all of a sudden, the, the air conditioner has kicked on, and now the curtain in front of the, the bathtub is moving, right? And so you're like, oh, I know you're hiding behind there, and you're ready to just take a swing, right? But then you think, wait, no, I didn't hear anybody come in. And so you just, you kind of peel it back, but the whole time you're ready to, you know, you feel me, right? Well, come to find out there was a picture on top of our refrigerator that had fallen over. Wasn't anything scared you to death, right? Here Samuel is, and all of a sudden he hears his name called. 
and he runs to Eli. Sometimes God's trying to get our attention. We don't look in the right place. We've got to listen. If we're going to hear God's voice, we've got to listen. And if we're going to listen to the voice of the Lord, sometimes we have to put ourselves in a place to hear that. We've got to turn off everything else, all of the distractions. You know, over the last 21 days, as a church family, we fasted. And we've been believing God to do some incredible things. And we're believing that God's going to continue to do what he started in us during that time. And over the last 21 days, I made an effort personally. I'm not going to tell you what I fasted, but I made a personal effort to turn off a lot of distractions in a lot of ways. And as I went through that, I thought, man, boy, I have a whole lot more time on my hands because I'm not involved and engrossed in all of these other areas. I'm just focused on my family and on what God is doing in my life, and I'm just paying attention here. And as I turned all of that off, it was amazing what I could hear clearer than ever before. We've got to make a point to turn some things off if we're going to hear it's, it's a little more than ironic to me that as Samuel heard the voice of the Lord, that it sounded a whole lot like his pastor's voice, like his spiritual father's voice. See, God will speak to us loud and clear if we're willing to hear it, but sometimes it's in the voice of our pastor or our spiritual counselor or our spiritual friend. But it is always confirmed through his word. If anybody, and I mean anybody, including me, tells you anything that is contrary to what's found in this book, in the written word of God, toss it out and accuse them of being wrong because we are. If it doesn't line up with this, it's not good for us. Now, Samuel was near the lamp of God. He was near the ark of God. And the lamp had not gone out. The Bible makes it very clear. And that's symbolic that there was prayer going on. The lamp of incense burning is, is uh, New Testament speak for prayers going up. So he's there. He's around the prayer meeting. And he is saying, Lord, I want you to speak to me. He's close to God. And God begins to speak. And he heard God. Now, I love it when God impresses upon me. God speaks, and he speaks to our spirit, and he speaks to I love those moments. But this says that he heard the Lord. It sounded familiar to him. It sounded like something he needed to hear. We need to have a familiar voice. We need to know what this says so we'll know what he's saying. He can't speak to us if we don't know how he's going to sound. That's why it starts out sounding like our pastor or a spiritual confidant, a spiritual friend who's giving us the word of God. Why? Because that's the voice of the Lord we need. As we grow, eventually we learn to hear God's voice. We learn to hear what God has to say. And we learn to hear it his way. But we've got to start by allowing him to speak to us. Three different times, Samuel goes to Eli. Three times. He says, yes, you called me. And, Samuel, and Eli says, no, 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 no. I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And then he dawn, it dawns on him. The Lord's calling him. And he tells him, hey, listen, when you go back, verse 9, he said to Samuel, go back and lie down again. And if someone calls you again, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And God calls. And he says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And God gives him a message of judgment coming for Eli. A hard message, a tough message for him to carry. And what does he do? He passes it along to Eli. He tells Eli, and he doesn't hold anything back. He says, this is what God said. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Well, that, Pastor Travis, that's in the Old Testament. God doesn't do that in the New Testament. I want to remind you something we've been saying for a couple of months now, that what God did in limited edition in the Bible, he wants to make commonplace in the New Testament and in our lives. So what was on 
display as, as a limited thing. God wants to do publicly and, and, and abroad. He wants all of us to hear. He, he's speaking to everyone. He wants us to have visions and dream dreams and hear the voice of the Lord in a growing and an amazing way. And how do I know this? Because Jesus said in, in John chapter 10, verse 27, you know what? He said, my sheep listen to my voice. They listen. Not, not, not like we do on Sunday afternoons when the Dallas Cowboys are playing, you know, and the TV's on, and you know somebody's saying something, but you ain't listening to anything they say. Not, not like we do when our kids are in the back seat and they're fussing and fighting and yelling and screaming to the point where your wife looks at you and says, are you hearing them? And I said, no, I haven't heard a thing they've said. Jesus said we will listen to pay attention to, to get something from what it is he has to say. And he knows us, and they follow me, is what he said. We're going to follow him. I know his voice, I listen, and I'm following him. That's what he wants us to do. We listen. It's pretty straightforward. We're going to do what he says. We can't listen unless we're paying attention. At first, we're like Samuel, and it sounds a whole lot like our pastor, but as we grow, we learn God's voice. And once we listen and hear then we have to put it in practice and trust and obey what we've heard. So listen and then trust and obey. See, in Samuel's opening act of hearing God and doing something, it was a pretty terrifying thing to say. Hey, Eli, and Eli said, may God strike you dead if you don't tell me everything he said. And Samuel said, okay, buddy. God said he's going to strike you down. <laughs> pretty simple, right? Man, but what if the Lord said that to you? Hey, listen, I want you to go and tell the preacher that God's going to strike him down. In verse 15, it picks up in our story and says that Samuel stayed in bed until morning. It doesn't say that he slept. It says that he stayed in bed until morning. He got up, he opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual, and he was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord said. But Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son, here I am, he said. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything. And may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. That's where I think Samuel probably said, okay. So Samuel told him everything. He did not hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks best. Here's the thing. Sometimes God's going to put a word in your heart and you're going to think, there's no way. But we have to have the courage, like Eli, to say, it's the Lord's will. Let him do what he thinks best. There are times in our life we have to look at our situation, take what we have heard the Lord say in the word where we've read it. We've heard the word of God as we read it. What we've heard from uh, the Lord as he has spoken it in our prayer time. And we have to say, it is your will. Let it be done. Whatever you think is best, I will receive that. It may be hard. It may not be nice. The Lord may say to you, I want you to write a check bigger than you've ever written because I'm testing your faith in me. God may say to you, I want you to do what only you know I will be able to fulfill. I want you to quit the job that you have had for so long because I have something better for you. I'm just wanting you to trust me in it. See, we're, we're at this time right now. It may, may look a little different for us, but we're closing out the new year. Here we are at the end of January. Our credit card bills have come due for all of the Christmas stuff that we spent. Amen. And, and now we've got to make a decision. Am I going to still honor the Lord with my tithe? Or am I going to uh, rob him so that I can put a little bit more money on paying that off? Stop. 
Just trust God completely and obey. It is the only other way. This is a, it's just the way it works. We all have areas of like, this, like this in our lives. Let's be honest. Maybe our area is this. I'm not very nice to people. I don't be kind to them. If they treat me bad, I treat them bad. I don't like turning the other cheek. Well, God doesn't want that from us. God expects us to obey what his word says. For instance, I'll tell you this story. There's a more recent one, but I'll leave it out. When Cade was playing t-ball several years ago, in the dugout, and, and, and Cade, bless his heart, t-ball is just not his thing. Crushed his dear old dad. Baseball was my thing growing up. And I thought, yes. I mean, when I had a son, we bought all kinds of sports stuff and baseballs and footballs, and little did I know he'd take after his mother. <laughs> no, I mean, literally, we, like we, we were at, at, at T-ball game, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm in the dugout, and I'm keeping the book, and I look out there, and he's in right field, which like in literally, right field is like exile. Look around for any small kids. I don't want to crush their hopes and dreams, right? It was, it was exile. And he's out there picking dandelions. And like, and like my, 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 my man side of me just, just died, right? My hopes and dreams of my 401 MLB had gone by and by. He just, it's, it's fine. He just, that's not his thing. Now put him on a golf course with a golf club and it's a whole different story. Baseball wasn't his thing. He didn't care for it. He didn't like it. He wanted to play it because I wanted him to play it. I remember one day, one of the other dads is there in the dugout, and his son was a very good athlete, very good little ball player. I mean, just, I mean, excelled above everybody else. And he was having a rough day, not, not, not doing well hitting the ball. It's on a tee for crying out loud. But he was having a rough day. And he comes in, and his dad is chewing him up one side and down the other, and he looks at his little son. He says, for crying out loud, get on base. Why can you not get on base? Even Cade got on base. Huh. Even Cade, huh? Huh. Uh-huh. My blood is beginning to boil. I take that book and I just set it in my lap and tell all those little kids to get out of the dugout. Because I'm thinking if they get in the way, he might get in a punch before I do, and I don't want that. So I got to let them move. All the little kids get out of the dugout. I set that book down and I just tapped him on the shoulder. And he turned around and saw me and his eyes got this big around. Huge. I said, the next time you want to motivate your son, don't do it at my son's expense or we can take it to the parking lot. Now, probably not the most pastoral answer. But it was the best I could come up with because everything else had a baseball bat to his side of his head. Right? I mean, like the whole time, she said, for real? 
I mean, are you kidding? Like, you want to blow up and you want to have one of those knockdown drag out, yelling and screaming fits right there in the dugout and make every parent, like, get their phone out and record it and put it on YouTube. Local pastor goes crazy on parent, right? Like, you want to have one of those moments, right? That's not the response. That would have been the response that the human fleshly nature side of me wanted to give. But instead, I chose to let him know we don't do that. Find a different way to parent than being a jerk and do it a different way, not at someone else's expense. Now, in that, that's the side of me that didn't want to come out. I didn't want to turn the other cheek. I wanted to turn the other side of his cheek and slap that one too. But that's not what I did. Now, this is not a, whoa, do what I do. No, 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 no. My blood was boiling. I was thinking things that were definitely not Christ-like in the moment. And thank the Lord he's full of grace and mercy and forgives. But we have to make that choice. In all of our lives, we have an area that we have to completely trust and obey. We have to. In fact, there's an old hymn that John Samus wrote that's entitled Trust and Obey. Now, our family, we sing it a little bit different. It says, listen and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Team Jenkins than to listen and obey. But this song says, trust and obey, and it's fitting true. It says in verse 1 that when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his goodwill, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But then verse 4 is where dear John really, really nails it on the head for us this morning. When he says, but we can never prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows, for the joy he bestows are for them who will trust and obey. Now, I wish John in the Bible had said, for all of those who think about obeying, but he didn't. I wish it would have said, for all of those who thought it might be a decent idea, but he didn't. He said, it's for those who trust and obey. This was a principle that Samuel got. Friends, if we're going to, we, we have to trust and obey if we're going to grow in God's favor. Samuel said it this way a little bit later on. He said that obedience is better than sacrifice. It's not about offering up all this other stuff when all we had to obey, all we had to do was obey in the little things first. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 15. He said that if you love me, obey my commands. Even when I don't want to, obey my commands. Even when I think he's crazy, trust and obey my commands. Even when I wish Jesus hadn't said it, obey my commands. There's no way to grow in God if we will not obey. That is sitting still, allowing atrophy to set in so that literally the muscles that we obtain spiritually fall off. We have to trust and obey. Once we've listened, once we've learned to trust and obey, we're left with one simple step remaining in this process. Repeat. Repeat. Seems awful simple, doesn't it? By the way, this is just week one in this. We're going to talk about this some more next week because there's more process to this. But this is how we get going. Listen, trust, and obey. Repeat. Repeat. It goes on in Samuel 3, verses 19 to 21. It says, as Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him. And everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. And all of Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, 
knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there in the tabernacle. Where did God give him the messages? At the place that his presence was located. At the place where Samuel first learned it was near the ark of God in his presence. I I want to hear from the Lord. How many of you want to hear from the Lord? How many of you need a word from God today? Just raise your hand. You need a word from God today. you got some choices ahead of you. You don't know how you're going to make it. You don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, you're trying to decide, am I going to believe the report of the Lord or what the doctors have said? We've got all these choices to make. You need a word from God today. Raise your hand high. Samuel kept hearing from the Lord when he would get into his presence. That's where he heard from him. This idea that our faith journey is a one-hit wonder, we hear from God and then we go do it, and wow, woo, a one-hit wonder, that's not the idea that we're supposed to be left with. It's supposed to be a lifelong journey of classic hits that just keep coming and coming and coming, one after another. Why? Because it's a continuation, a journey. I'm going to listen and obey. I'm going to do it. Okay, I'm going to do it. I don't know, God, if this is really you, but it seems like it lines up with your word, and I'm going to try it. There it goes. Boom. Then the next time we go, okay, Lord, I heard what you said. I'm going to try it. I know you said we're supposed to win souls. And Proverbs says, he who wins souls is wise. I'm going to try it. I'm going to witness to my neighbor. And boom, there they are. We've got to put it into practice. It's supposed to be a continuation. But it starts in such a small area. See, I'm reminded of, of the Apostle John, who's the only, only of the apostles that it's not recorded that he died a martyr's death. But what it says is that when, when, when John was old and he was very old, about to die, that he would have the brothers carry him to church. Some of you think you have a hard time getting to church. John had to be carried to church. He's carried to church, and they, it says, and historians tell us, that he would lay there and he would say, My little children, love one another. Love one another. This was a word from Jesus himself that got deep in his spirit. That He marinated on it. It resonated with him, and he continued to share it day after day after day until the church learned to love one another. It's that idea that I have a passion to listen and obey and put it on repeat. I have a passion that says I'm not going uh, to just let this be a one-time thing, but I'm going to do it day in and day out. I'm going to listen to God's word. I'm going to pray. And listen to him talk back, not just talk to him, but I'm going to listen. I'm going to do something with it. I'm going to let it marinate in my soul. And then I'm going to pass that along. You and I, we're on the same journey. We're passing through. We're on this journey. We're saying, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Uh, we We need to have the same passion just like John did, though. It keeps us moving as we listen and trust and obey and put it on repeat. It's the only way to grow in God's favor. God's favor is available to all of us. I want everybody to raise your hand. Every single person, raise your hand. You are a candidate for God's favor. It's been given. You can put your hands down. Guess what? You have to make the choice to listen and trust and obey. See, I want all of us, all of us, every one of us to grow in God's favor because we have a relationship with him. That's where it all overflows from. See, he's the best friend, best father, best mother, brother, sister that we could ever have. He is the best. 
He knows everything. He knows what the future holds. He holds all the cards, and he can supply us along life's journey. Who does not want to have a friend like that? And yet, and yet so few take the time to build that friendship. There's a ton more that goes with the relationship with Jesus, but so few take the time to build on that very basic building block of a friendship, of talking with him, listening and obeying, just putting it into practice in the smallest areas of life. We, 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 want, we want salvation and grace to be a one-time experience around an altar, not a lifetime commitment of learning, of allowing grace to teach us yes and no, right and wrong. But we've got to start to build on that relationship, and it all starts with listening and trusting and obeying and repeating. I want us to grow in grace. I want us to grow in God's favor. And I believe this year is a year that he's going to do that. But we, me and you, it's not the time to elbow your spouse and say, he's talking to you, buddy. This is a time to look inward and say, he's talking to me. I have to grow. I have to hear what God is saying. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And if you're here today and you hear God calling you, He's calling you to His Son, Jesus, at a point of salvation. And today you want to respond to that amazing grace. You want to begin by receiving that grace just like Hannah did. Would you slip up a hand? Okay. Anybody else? Come on. Yeah, okay. Okay. All right. In just a moment, our prayer team's gonna come around these altars and we want you to come pray with them. Here's where the rubber meets the road for the rest of us. Maybe you're here and it's a little bit like this. Maybe you've been disobeying God in some area of your life. It's time to stop. It's time to listen, trust Him and obey. And it's hard. Hear me say, I know that's hard. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. I want you to grow in God's favor, but it's got to start there. It's time to listen and trust Him. It's the only way we're going to grow. If that's you, you have an area of your life that you're just disobedient in. You've not trusted Him and obeyed. Would you slip up a hand? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do all across the room. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you're at for just a moment. I'm going to ask our prayer team to go ahead and make their way down around these altars. And folks, here's where the rubber meets the road. Now, again, there's nothing magical about, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to an altar. It's a point of contact. It's a point of reference to say this is where I met with the Lord. And so if that's you, you raised your hand or you should have. You said, I, want, I hear the Lord calling me to salvation. We want to pray with you. You said, you know what? I have not listened and obeyed. I have not trusted him. I have not trusted him. In, 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 and, and I want to, but I've just not been able to. I've not trusted and obeyed, but I want to. If that's you, you raise your hand for either one. I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to make your way so we can pray with you. So we can agree with you that God would give you the grace to be able to trust him and obey and do what he's called you to do anybody at all. You raise your hand if you should have. Now's the time. And as they respond, I want us to give them a, a round of applause for having the courage to do so. Come on. If that's you, you raise your hand. Come on. Make your way. Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. Come on. If you 
raised your hand and said, I've not trusted, I've been disobedient. There were a lot of hands that went up. But you got to put it into practice. Come on, make your way up. Come on, just keep walking. Come on. Yeah. Anybody else? Come on, anybody else? Can you hear the Lord calling you today? We want to agree with you. If you need prayer for anything at all, you need prayer for a doctor's report, you've got anything, you need healing, you need a, a miraculous touch, you God's favor for a decision on your business, anything at all, we want to agree with you in prayer today. Anybody else? You need prayer for anything. As the worship team, they're gonna they're gonna sing this song, and as they do, this is a chance for you to just one more time press in. This is what God's doing in my heart. This is what God's doing in my life, and I need God's help. And as they do, let's.